So many years ago, my kids got me this shirt, so I figured I should wear it on Father's Day. And it goes along with our theme, except for Superman is part of the other series, so uh, we won't go into that. We'll just say it's like a... No, that doesn't even work to say Spider-Man, so... Um, but we are continuing our theme in Marveled, and I'm excited about this. My kids also got this, which again, part of the other side... But uh, it is uh, Superman one. They got me this for Father's Day this year. So I'm like, well, that kind of goes along with our theme. So apparently they think I'm super, which is, you know, kind of nice to be thought of that way. Um, either that or it's just the Father's Day thing to do. One of those. Um, but we do have a super dad. We do have a father who is incredible. And uh, we want to pay attention to that. We want to worship Him. We want to learn from Him. And so that's what we're going to do today as we look at this psalm that we're going to be going through. We're going through our series right now. It's called Marveled in Awe of the Greatest Power of All Time. Okay? And our Father, who created the universe in six days, I believe in in six days, some will try to stretch it out over millions or billions of years, um, but I think God is, is so incredibly strong and powerful and amazing that he could create something in six days and then make it so complicated that we can't understand it and think we do and come up with all kinds of theories and ideas of how we do, but, um, but it's beyond our comprehension. And then he gave us life. He put us in this garden, Adam and Eve, and they were there to care for it. We're going to take a look a little bit at that passage, uh, what he writes to them later. But as time goes by, well, men and women failed, and sin came into the world. And one of the most amazing stories, I think, at least from a father's point of view, is knowing that God the Father, who created this wonderful world and who created it to be perfect and and righteous and all of that, he watched his son go to the cross, go through a lot of suffering, and then he sat there and watched his, his son have the sins of the world and the wrath of God poured out upon him while on that cross. I could never do that. To have my son go through the pain and agony of of the world, that's that's incredible. The most powerful being in the universe, the one who could have easily have stopped it, the one who could have destroyed the world, the one who could have reset it, bore with patience the wrath as it poured out on his son. That's a pretty incredible God. That's a pretty incredible father. And that's what we want to stand in awe of. That's what we want to be in awe of. That was by choice. Now, it was set up beforehand, and so therefore when Jesus walks into the garden, he says to the father, I wish this could pass by. I wish that this wouldn't have to happen. And he, he, he sweat drops of blood because he was in such anguish. And then he goes to the cross. His, he goes through all of that pain. And then his father also watches as his son goes through all of that and he did it voluntarily for you and I so we could be forgiven. We ought to be in awe of that, right? So that's how this fits in with this theme, marveled in awe of the greatest power, the greatest father of all time. Well, where we're going to be going today, it looks like I'll probably be using a little different system because 
some of our other systems aren't working as well. Super dads are super close to a super God. Now, I want you to know you can put something else in there. So if you're saying, well, I'm not a dad, I might as well just get up and walk out, right? No, no. listen, there are, are points here that tie into being a mom, tie into being a, a, a child, a, a, a son or a daughter, tie into being a husband or a wife or any of those. You could put anything in there, super parents, super wives, super husbands, super kids, super singles, you know, put something else in there and it will apply to you as well. Because the truth is super people are super close to a super God. And that's what we want to take a look at as we move into this. Now, a couple of things we need to take serious. Here's a picture of a guy that, well, we kind of would say maybe he looks like he's getting electrocuted, but uh, he's just having some fun, hopefully. Um, here's a couple facts maybe you want to know. The construction industry comprises approximately 8% of the U.S. workforce, yet it accounts for 44% of job-related fatalities. Okay, so construction. We're in a, a construction boom right now in the Treasure Valley. Um, there's a lot of things going on out there, and there's, I'm sure there's a lot of injuries, if you're in construction or you know people in construction, you just know that to be true. Uh, and so uh, electricians are ones that uh, get injured quite often. In fact, electrical hazards cause more than 300 deaths and 4,000 injuries each year among the U.S. workforce. It is estimated, and this is significant for us in this area, it is estimated that 62 agricultural workers per year die from electrocution in the U.S., with overhead power lines being the most common source. I had a friend who actually just a couple years ago was in that scenario. By God's grace, he's not one of these uh, statistics, but uh, he ran a corn picker into a power line and felt the effects of that. Each year, many children and adults are electrocuted or seriously injured in this country due to accidental contact with, uh, with broken lines, down power lines, or objects such as green wood or fences in, in contact with down trees. And that's one of the, wa- or down wires, that's one of the reasons why they're out there in the spring trying to cut those back so that people aren't, aren't becoming injured. It's one of those serious things. Now, the reason I bring this up here is because in our homes, we use electricity every day, right? I mean, we plug things in. You probably, without even thinking about it, plug something into the wall, and it works. And you don't really think about the, how that electricity gets to your house. You don't think of how it flows through that device or whatever you're using. It just it works. But all of us know, at least by now, that we wouldn't take a knife of some kind and stick it into that wall socket, right? I hope you know that. If you don't, there's your lesson for the day. Don't do that. Um, now, in a modern home, it probably wouldn't affect you too much, but... You know, older homes definitely would. You get get a good jolt. Um, we need to take electricity seriously, and hopefully you you do. But you don't really think about it too much. Another one that we do this with is gravity. Um, we don't think about gravity too much. We just live our lives, and it works for us. But then, when you go to do something like uh, this week at the ITC, we've been we've been painting. And there are times when you're painting, you get up on a ladder, and you think it would be easier to stretch over and reach that corner than it would be to crawl down, move the ladder over, and and do it again, right? So have you ever done one of those tricks? And you don't think about it too much until you're up there at the top of an eight or ten foot ladder, and you're kind of doing this, and you're thinking, you know, if I lose my balance right now, it's going to hurt, right? Right? because we know the effects of gravity and how it works. 
gravity, electricity, we take those things serious when we think about the effect that it's going to have on our body or physical harm or anything like that. The point I want to make to you as we move into this passage today is that we need to take our relationship with God seriously, just like that. I think we walk with God in this relationship with Him, and we don't think too much about the effects of going our own path, doing our own thing, and we forget about the fact that God says when we stray from Him, when we go away from Him, He disciplines those He loves. And so when the Bible says to us that we ought to fear the Lord, we need to understand what that means, that we need to, like electricity, we need to have respect for it. Like gravity, we need to have respect for it. And Almighty God, we need to have respect for Him. He loves us, He cares for us, He keeps us, but when we stray away from Him, we have to understand that He may pull us back, and when He does, it may sting a little bit. It may hurt a little bit. So look at this passage here. We're going to move, hopefully move forward here. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord? Psalm 128. That's where we are today. So if you want, you can take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 128. We'll be looking at these six verses together. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Now I want to do something this morning. I hope it works. Um, We seem to, every time we move into summertime, we have some glitches, especially with some things like Wi-Fi and things like that. So we'll see if it it works here today. But I want to show you a little bit of, of some web uh, browsing and how you could come to some of these conclusions and just just show you how there are some great tools out there on the web. So we'll see if this works. If it doesn't, then stay tuned in the weeks to come. We'll try it again once we get some of those things ironed out. But one of the questions I have here, we talked about the fear of the Lord a little bit. How happy is the one who, who fears the Lord? But I want to look at that word happy because some of your translations are going to say how blessed. And that's a good translation as well. But what I like about this translation is it brings out that there's a difference between this word happy and then later on in verse 4, there's another word for blessed. Here it's a noun form. So let's go ahead and and move forward and see if this is going to work for us. Oh yeah, it pops up. This is a, a, a... a website called Bible Hub, and you can access it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. I like it because it has, as far as I know out there, so far it has probably the most uh, resources available. You'll see all across the top there, that's all the different translations, English translations. NIV, NLT, ESV, BBB, or BSB, can't say it, NAS, and, and so forth. So all the way across the top, that's all the different translations you could tie into. Then you get all the different tools underneath of it. But down here at the bottom, you're going to see how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His way. Um, I'm going to have a little bit of help maybe from the back, and I didn't walk Danny through it because some of this was, was a little um, weird this morning. When you look at the Hebrew, and I don't know if you know this, but Hebrew reads backwards from the way you and I read. So you and I read you know, from left over to right. Hebrew reads from right to left. So that's why it has... And it's kind of strange because you've got to flip the letters for us to understand it. Otherwise, it would be even harder. But it says, a song of ascent, blessed everyone who fears Yahweh or the Lord who walks in his ways. Okay? So you're reading actually from this direction over. This word blessed is the word we're going to be looking at. 
And uh, Danny, can you, or Evan, can you take the pointer and come down to that 835? Can you see it there? If you can find the mouse. It's coming. Look, it's coming. Go up just a hair. Uh, keep going up to the actual 835. Up one more. All right, and click on that. All right, and that is going to bring up uh, some definitions for us. And what you're going to see is you've got a parts of speech. Got on a little bit of your English here. But if you go over, you can see parts of speech. got your noun, and it's masculine. And then the word is escher. And definition is just simply happiness or blessedness. But the point I want to make here is that it's a noun. And why this is important is because when he starts off, he says, we have this, this state of being, and it's to be happy. It's like it's almost like a gift that's given to us or a box that's given to you. Here's a thing, an object. Here's happiness to be given to you. That's how he starts it off. So how happy we are when we fear the Lord. Okay, That's what he's talking about there. Now I'm going to go to verse 4, maybe. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. I want to compare these two. So I'll move to this one, and I'll have your help again, because now we're going to go over, and it says, Behold, that thus shall be blessed. That one, two, eight, eight, right there. Yep. Go ahead and click on that. And this is going to show you that it's verb, barak, and it's to kneel or bless. So here he's saying in verse 4 that you are blessed if you fear the Lord, that you are receiving some kind of blessing. It's a verb. So i just show you that. I don't know if you're ever into doing some more Bible study. This is a good tool. Like I say, it's BibleHub.com. Be careful with languages at the same time. Uh, we can also misunderstand them, misuse them. It does take a little bit of background. But I think these are important tools just for you to know that they're out there and uh, might be of interest to you. Well, let's get back into this passage. Look at verses 1 and 2. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His way. Your happiness is dependent on how you respect the Lord. Did you hear that? Your happiness, I, I think it's a good case here, your happiness is dependent on how you respect the Lord. If you love Him, if you fear Him, if you honor Him, if you follow Him, if you serve Him, there's more happiness there than when you don't. In fact, if you're struggling with God and there's tension in your relationship with God and, and, and you're, you're asking the question, I don't know if I can really follow God in this situation, as you make choices that are apart from God and go in different directions, you're going to continue to have tension in your life. You're going to continue to struggle. Either that or you're going to come to a point where you've just ignored God's voice completely and His instruction and His Word. Happiness is dependent on how you respect the Lord. So how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His way? <coughs> you will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You'll be happy and it'll go well with you. So point number one, a super dad fears the Lord. Okay, I think we've hit that one pretty well, right? A super dad fears the Lord. So if you're saying again, I'm not a dad, a super person, super wife, a super husband, a super kid, super single, fears the Lord. And then the second one, a super dad, super person works happily. 
Now, he talks about in that passage that we ought to work, and we ought to do so in a happy way. Now, I'm going to go back into Genesis chapter 2. I want to take a look at this passage. This is after God had created the garden, and he goes to both Adam and Eve, but he talks specifically to Adam right here, and he says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. He gave him a role. He gave him a responsibility in the garden, and that was to work. Now, you go into chapter 3, and chapter 3 is all about how sin came into the world, and Adam and Eve made a choice, and then there was a curse, a response. God comes to Adam, and he says to Adam, Adam, there's going to be a curse for the choice that you've made. And then, of course, there was a curse for Eve, and there's a curse for Satan as well. But look at the curse for Adam. He said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which I commanded you, do not eat from it, the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. Continue on. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread of the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. Guys, here's, here's the reality. Okay, we were created to work. We were created to tend the garden, and when when sin came into the world, it made it more difficult. It made it tough. And there's this idea, I think, today that for some reason we ought to just love all the work we do and ought to be happy all the time. And when it's hard and difficult, people give up and stop working or think they need to change a job and go somewhere else because the job got difficult. But that's part of the curse. Now, at the same time, it's also realistic to understand that there is joy in working. And there should be joy in working. And there have been times, whether it's being a pastor or whether it's uh, farming or some of the side jobs I've done along the way, there's times where you, you work hard, you sweat, and you think to yourself, this is miserable, this is tough, I don't want to go through this, I don't want to go to that conversation where I'm probably going to have to confront somebody, or I'm going to go to a conversation I'm going to hear about all the bad things I've done. I don't like those either, you know, and, and I don't want to go through those. But as you do, and you do the things God wants you to do, you can look back and say, ah, I see the blessings. I see that working through those things brings some fruit in some form or fashion. Maybe not always the way I think it would be. Um, again, going back to the ITC, we've been working on that. We've been, been painting it. Uh, Anthony's put a lot of time into it. Marissa's sister, Christina, she's been there pretty much all week um, working on it as well. And appreciate it. If you haven't seen it yet, you might wait just a few more days because um, we're going to put some carpet in there. It's going to look, the auditorium, I think, is going to look really good. So uh, it's coming along. But as you're working on it, you think, this is, this is tough. You know, there's a lot of other things I could be doing right now. But when you get it all done, you can take joy in it. And that's kind of the way work is. We ought to work happily. Yes, it's hard. It's supposed to be. That's why they call it work, Right? Dad, you probably say that to your kids at times. Yes, kids, that's why they call it work, right? But work happily as much as we can, knowing that in the end, our work does produce some type of fruit. Well, let's 
move in to verses 3 and 4. Your wife, and this is one of the reasons we know Psalm 128 is written specifically to uh, men and, and dads. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like young olive trees around your table. Two things to point out there. One, I think a, a dad realizes, a husband realizes that he has a responsibility, and that's to care for his wife. And as he does care for his wife, then his wife will be fruitful in her labor, labors. And then he goes into your children that they will be young olive trees. Now, you may say, I don't know if I want my kids to be young olive trees, so what's the significance with that? Well, here's a picture, right? Okay, somebody laughed just because that, does that look like a, a child? I don't know, kind of running all over the place maybe? Uh, maybe that's the… No, the, the olive tree of… How do you say that? Come on, you French people. Nobody? Nobody's going to take a stab at it. Uh, oh, you can't see it up there. Never mind. That's why you're like, I don't know. So uh, it's like Vuvez or Vuvez or something like that. I don't know. I'm not French. So uh, this ancient olive tree, I'm going to read about this. This ancient olive tree is located in the Greek island of Crete and is one of the seven olive trees in the Mediterranean believed to be at least 2,000 to 3,000 years old. Although its exact age cannot be verified, the olive tree might be the oldest among them. It is estimated over 3,000 years old. It still produces olives, and they are highly prized. This olive tree is hardy and drought, disease, and fire resistant. It is part of the reason for their longevity and their widespread use in the region. The Mediterranean, Israel itself, has several olive trees, and one of the significance of an olive tree is it's long-lasting. And I think the point that he's making here is that may your children, as they drop into the ground as they grow, may they be long-lasting, may their generation continue to multiply and grow and be long-lasting. That's his point behind those verses, or to say, may your children be like an olive tree. So a super dad, one, helps his wife grow, okay? You look at those two verses, you see that a super dad helps his wife grow. That ought to be something we do as, as men, now, if you're not a dad, again, you can apply that to some other situations in life. You help your children grow. You help your husband grow. You help other people around you grow. That's our responsibility, to help others. Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves that we forget the people God's put in our lives. But a super dad helps his wife grow. I was challenged with this, I don't know, a few years ago. I was reading a book, and I realized, how hard do I work at trying to present my wife, Rebecca, before God as holy and righteous and good. So that's my responsibility. I ought, to be, I ought to be praying for her. I ought to be guiding and leading her. I ought to be teaching her when we have the opportunities. We ought to be, you know, doing, talking about our spiritual life together and challenging one another. I ought to be helping her stand before God in that right relationship and growing in her faith. That's what I ought to be doing as a husband. And then I ought to be doing that with my kids as well. He says, his wife will be fruitful. They will grow. A super dad will help his wife grow. And a super dad then impacts future generations. Um, I look back at, at my family's history, and I had a dad or a, a grandpa who was used in this treasure valley to start and plant churches and ministries and things like that. I think his faith and his uh, allegiance to God has impacted 
our family. There have been several that have, have come from that, uh, from that line, from that grandfather who has gone out into ministry. Many are still serving and working and, and, and being used by God in churches today and, and spreading the gospel out there. I think that's an application of what he's talking about here when he says, may you plant those shoots in the ground, those trees in the ground, and see the impact. Well, that's what I want for my children too. They could say, yeah, from, we come from a generation, a line where they've, they've planted this tree that's going to last for years and years to come. That ought to be all of our desire. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. You just have to be someone who has respect and love for God. You just need to be super close to that super God. It doesn't matter if you're a dad, a mom, whoever it is, you can have an impact on future generations. Well, verse 4, in this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. You will receive some type of a blessing. Now, I don't know what kind of blessing it is. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not going to tell you that if you have a super close relationship with the super God that you're going to have millions of, of dollars. Okay? But I will tell you this, that if you follow God and you, you seek Him wholeheartedly and you love Him and you serve Him, that there are blessings. There are great blessings. But they come the way God wants to give them. And they come at His timing. And after we finally see them, the light goes on and we go, oh, now I see. That's a real blessing. So the blessings do come. So it's like, verse 4, I think, is a great reminder that if, if super dads fear the Lord, they will receive a blessing. So they're happy, going back to verse 1, because they serve the Lord, they know the Lord, and then when they fear the Lord, they actually receive more blessing. Now, verse 5 and 6 as the end of this Psalm 128. It says, May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And we'll see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. Now he moves in verses 5 and 6 and he talks about the physical um, city on the earth, Zion, Jerusalem. This was Israel's hub. This was their their center. Uh, This was their capital. It was the place that people turned to for the king. It was the place that people come to worship. It was the place that people come to make sacrifices. This was their, their central hub of their, their country. It says, when that is blessed, then the nation, the rest of the nation, is blessed. And so he turns attention to it and he says, may the Lord bless you from Zion, Jerusalem, that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem, that it will continue to grow there's an interesting point I think that's made that, men, if we do our jobs of, of leading our wives and leading our kids and being those super dads and maintain our relationship with God, it has an impact not only on our family, but also on the community, also on the nation, and also on the world. And that's why a lot of times Christians will say it, other people will say it, that what we really need to spend our time focused on is the family unit and making sure the family is healthy. And we ought to be making sure the church is healthy. Because as we do that, as a a family's coming together in the name of Christ, as we are healthy together, it has an impact on our community, on our cities, on our nations, and into the world. You'll get to see it. 
You'll get to watch it happen. Super dads get to see God work. When you, are, when you have a close relationship with a, with a super God, you get to see God work. Now, there might be times in your life you say, I haven't seen God work. I don't know what he's doing. And there are times in my life where I feel that way. But as I look back over the last 20, 30, 40 years, I can always look back and say, okay, God did something there, and that changed who I am. That changed some people's lives that I love and care for. And you can see God work. And that's a great privilege. It's a great honor. Maybe you don't see it every day. Maybe you don't see it every week. But I bet if you look back over the last year, you can see things that God has done that's made an impact in your life. Super dads, super moms, super kids, whatever you want to fill in the blank there, get to see God work. So super dads have super close relationships with a super God. A couple things to reflect on as we come to a close here. Challenge and time for us to respond. One, what are you seeing God do in your life and your family? What do you see God doing in you and your family? Secondly, God has put people in your life to help them grow. Um, it could be your children, it could be your husband or wife, it could be parents, other people around you. God has put people in your life to help grow. Who are they? So identify them. And then ask the question, how are you helping them grow? How are you helping them point to Christ? And if you don't know, you're like, I don't, I don't really know the answer. Well, there's a couple of things. One, pray about it. Talk to God about it. And then if you're still like, I don't know, then talk to people in the church. Ask people that you respect. How do you help your husband grow? How do you help your wife grow in their faith? And then they might say, oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe I need to think about that some more. Then we, we challenge each other that way. How are you helping people in your life grow? Who are they? How are you helping them? And then the last one to think about and reflect on. Do you have the right view of fearing God? So this, this makes the mention twice, verse 1 and verse 4, about fearing God. Do you have the right fear of fearing God? And I ask that question because sometimes when people read that we ought to fear the Lord, they think of fearing God like He is some kind of a, a mean God. So the reason I ask this question is because you need to understand that we fear God because He's a just God. And because he's just, when we walk away from him, when we do things that are wrong and we go our own path, God loves us enough to bring us back. It's just like me as a father. When I was growing up and my kids, we were going to shopping. and oh, well, not when I was growing up, sorry. I was already growing up as a father. But when my kids were growing up, I'm still growing. But when my kids were growing up and we're going to, you know, Albertsons or, I don't know, shopping of some kind, and we walk out the doors, what happens? Kids get all excited and they start to run, right? And they're not looking for cars. So what would I have to do? I'd have to reach down, grab them, and pull them back. Why do I do that? Because I love them. And I don't want them to die. I don't want them to get hit with a, by a car. Why does God have to grab us at times and bring us back in? 
because he loves us. He's a just God. He will always do the right thing. He's not an abusive God. He doesn't hurt us when we don't deserve it. He is a just God who loves us and cares for us, but yes, at the same time, he will, if need be, pull us back. And that may feel like he's hurting us, but that's because he disciplines those he loves. So do you have the right view of what it means to fear God, to have that respect like you would for electricity or you would for gravity? Do you have that kind of respect for God? If you still don't know what that means, then we have these response or these connect cards. You can put on there, I'm still struggling with this whole concept, this idea of fearing God. Write it on the back or something like that, and we'll, we'll follow up with you. Because I want to make sure you understand what that means. And more importantly, I want to make sure you understand that you have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And not by your own works, but because of his death, burial, and resurrection that he did on behalf, our behalf. And so we don't have to to walk in fear in our relationship with God. We actually walk in in this newness of life because we have been forgiven for our sins. We walk in this newness of life, in this relationship with Him. And so if you don't understand that, if that's still not making sense to you and things aren't really clear, then I'd love to follow up with you on that. Look at more verses. Look at more what the Bible has to say about how you can have this new life and walk in a right relationship with God and not be afraid because you are now united with His Son, Jesus Christ, and you can live in that relationship for all eternity. So think about those things. If you have any questions about uh, what was said this morning, you can write that on your card as well, and I'd love to follow up with you. I will give you a couple minutes here to think about those things, write it down, and then we'll close by taking offering.